This episode of the Higher Purpose Podcast was brought to you by Navigating North, a five-day virtual summit to help you discover your purpose in business, life, and leadership. Learn more at navigatingnorthsummit.com. All around the world, people are floundering. There's something missing, something more that they just can't grasp. Do you feel it too? Welcome to the Higher Purpose Podcast. Every week, host Kevin Monroe will help you navigate to your true north and flourish in faith, business, and life. You found us for a reason. Stay tuned to find out why. Welcome to Episode 10 of the Higher Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Monroe, and I am absolutely delighted to connect with you today. You're joining us in a four-part mini-series focusing on purpose at work. This is the third installment in that series. So if you haven't heard the other two yet, go back and pick them up. After all, we've got them priced right. They're free. Today, we're joined by Gary Ridge. Gary's the CEO of the WD-40 company. He's the author of Helping People Win at Work, a business philosophy called Don't Mark My Paper, Help Me Get an A, that he co-authored with Ken Blanchard. Now, I know that's a mouthful of a title for a book, but it is an awesome book. I love the practicality of it, and I also love the contrarian approach and how Gary just flips things upside down in helping people get an A. That's what we want to do at work. I met Gary a few years back through our mutual practice of servant leadership. I can't wait for you to listen in on our conversation, so why delay? Let's go. Well, Gary, it is great to welcome you to the Higher Purpose Podcast. Thanks Thank for you. G'day, Kevin. It's great to be here. So, Gary, uh, what's something that's not part of your official bio that people couldn't easily find on the website somewhere that gives us a peek into you? Well, I used to be a radio disc jockey um, in Australia, in Sydney. Um, I used to do a morning Sunday radio show uh, with my brother, actually, and we recorded, I don't know, a couple of hundred shows from nine o'clock till noon on 260CR 90.5, Over the Hills with Gary and Les Rich. <laughs> All right. Hey, what, what led you into radio? Oh, that's a story. Um, I was involved in a community environment in, in Sydney, and uh, the, the, the this was a community radio station that it had been supported by the local city, and um, they had trouble getting it off the ground, and they'd invested a considerable amount of money in it. And the 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 mayor of the city approached me and said, "Look, you know, could, would you mind?" having a look at this, could you go on the board as the city representative and can you tell us if we're ever going to get what we thought we were going to get? So I, I, I went on the board. I actually became chairman of the board and we got the the, 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 the station in good shape and, and you know, got it into onto air. And there was a spot, uh, 9 to 12 on Sunday mornings. And I thought, well, this might be fun. And we got together and we used to produce it and, and air it and and we had a lot of fun. Well, that's great. Thanks for sharing that with us. I, I had no idea. Uh, Gary, there you go. Have you always operated with a sense of purpose in life? I, that that would probably be no, um, because I think there's a stage of life where where you don't think about purpose a lot. I think you start to think about it sometime along the way. Um, 
Now, if I was to look back with the advantage of hindsight, I could probably say, well, when I was a, you know, a paper route boy in Sydney, I probably had some sort of sense of purpose. But I think it more it became clearer to me when I really realized that I had a responsibility to other people. And if I couldn't work out what my purpose in life was, how could I in any way um, help an organization understand its purpose? You know, when I went to MSEL, which is the Master of Science in Executive Leadership Program at USD back in 1999, the first class we did was about understanding who you are as a leader so you could lead others. And I think that was, that was pretty eye-opening. I'm sure it was. And had you said you'd always had a sense of purpose, I was really wanting to unpack that because you'd probably be one of the first that I've met that's always had it. Uh, another question I love asking people, your journey to purpose, more of a zigzag or straight line as you look back? Oh, absolutely a zigzag. Um, I think, you know, any <laughs> life is a zigzag. You know, when you think about it, here's point A, here's point B. You know, we only got A to B and there's a straight line and then life happens to you along the way. So um, my my original, uh, back in 1999 or 2000, my original life purpose when I wrote it back then was to use my leadership skills and common sense to motivate and encourage people so that they can maximize their opportunities, meet our common goals, and have a lot of fun doing it. Okay. So to what it, to what it is today is different. So there was a zigzag. Yeah. Well, and I will tell you, for me, it's certainly a zigzag path. And uh, every once in a while, I meet somebody that says it's a straight line. And I'm like, well, how does that happen? Because... I couldn't, I couldn't do the straight line. It's zigzag. Uh, what is your life? Absolutely. Purpose? How do you describe it today? Um, I have the most wonderful life that anyone could have. I wake up every morning uh, to help people create positive, lasting memories. It's the most exciting thing anyone can do. And finding all the different ways to do that is really the motivation. So, um, I'm, 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 my purpose is to create positive, lasting memories. And how and you land on that as a purpose? Years ago, uh, I'm not necessarily, I'm not religious. I may be somewhat spiritual, but I was reading some of the Dalai Lama's work. And the Dalai Lama said, our purpose in life is to make people happy. If you can't make them happy, at least don't hurt them. And I thought about that in a business sense. And I thought that should be something we bring to business. And then I thought about... What's the only thing in life that unless, you know, and let's hopefully it never happens, you get Alzheimer's, that you'll always have with you and you always have memories. I mean, you know, I think about, uh, you know, I, 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 can ne- I cannot remember the brown tie that my son may have given me for Christmas one time. But I tell you what, I vividly remember going to see Elton John and Billy Joel with him. Uh-huh. That, that's that's a memory to me that was positive. It's lasting. It has a lot of things connected to it. It's got emotion. It's got fun. And so I, I think, you know, positive, lasting memories, if we can help people create them, they're really enriching and they help people get into that positive state. Okay. So you subscribe to uh, giving experiences or creating experiences more than just giving gifts. I think it's all about experiences. The 
the experience is the gift. Ah, the experience is the gift. Uh, that's tweetable. The experience is the gift. So, Gary, how does purpose show up in your work as CEO of the WD-40 company? Well, um, if you think about WD-40 company and um, what we do every day here, or, or as you know, Simon Sinek would describe to you, you know, why do we exist? And our purpose or our why at the company is we exist to create positive, lasting memories in everything we do. We solve problems, we make things work smoothly, and we create opportunities. So my life purpose is very connected with what we as a tribe at WD-40 have agreed is our why of existence. Okay. I understand why you use the word tribe because we've spoken before and uh, you unpack some of that in your great book, Helping People Win at Work, a business philosophy called Don't Mark My Paper, Help Me Get an A that you co-wrote with Ken Blanchard. But for the, the listeners that's going tribes, talk to us about why at WD-40 Company you have tribes and not teams. Well, the, the, the earliest and most basic definition of a community was the tribe. It would be a group of people that you that you both help and feed and help defend. And if you think about Maslow's hierarchy to self-actualization, the first two rungs in that are, you know, am I safe and am I secure? Can I survive? And, and, and is there security? The third one is belonging. And what we what became very clear to us is organizations don't create cultures where people actually feel like they belong. So if you think about a tribe, you belong to a tribe and, and a tribe has attributes that both support and keep safe the tribe members within it. So we went around and looked at, you know, what would those attributes be? And in fact, uh, we, we looked at originally the attributes of the Australian Aborigines. And we said, so what are some of those attributes that would keep these, these people together in the middle of a sunburned country, you know, in, in high heat thousands of years ago? And it was pretty clear these attributes were, were very identifiable. Um, the first attribute was learning and teaching. And if you've ever thought about um, the Australian Aborigine, if you know how to throw a boomerang, a boomerang is a pretty hard thing to throw effectively. If you throw it and you hit the animal, it will, you know, back then it would provide food. If you didn't, it would come back to you. So what was the number one responsibility of a tribal leader? To teach little young tribe members how to throw the boomerang so that they could eat and survive. So what's the number one responsibility of a tribal leader? To teach the tribe members what they need to do to eat, survive and belong. So we, a tribe is something that's enduring over time. A team is something you play on situationally to win an event. A tribe is something that's enduring. Wow. I love that distinction, and I love how you've integrated it into uh, the culture at WD-40 Company. Okay, so a moment ago, you were talking about Simon Sinek. You were talking about your why. And, Gary, I remember uh, – Oh, six, eight months ago, I had emailed you around this topic of purpose and asking you how purpose 
expressed itself. And what you sent me back was this little graphic that showed the, what, what Simon Sinek called the golden circles, why, how, and what. And at the WD-40 company, you just shared your why, but you also have a how and a what. You all have taken that work of Simon Sinek's and taken it to heart and applied it. Walk us through that, if you will. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I shared our why. Our why, we exist to create positive, lasting memories in everything we do. We solve problems. We make things work, work smoothly, and we create opportunities. Our how is we create positive, lasting memories by cultivating a tribal culture of learning and teaching, which produces a highly engaged workforce who live our company values every day. What do we do? We deliver unique, high-value, easy-to-use solutions for a wide variety of maintenance needs in workshops, factories, and homes. We market and distribute our brands across multiple trade channels in countries all over the world. So everybody gets the opportunity to touch what we do. And basically what Simon did that was just brilliant is he, he took what we used, what companies used to call vision and mission. And, and that was really hard for, to, to explain. But he said, why, how, what? So this is why we exist. This is how we do it. This is what we do. So in an organization, you need to have people, and we call that the tribal culture. You need to have your purpose, which is what we call the why. We need to then have your values in, a, in the organization, and that creates freedom surrounded by a learning culture that helps people step into the best version of their personal self every day. And with that, they will execute on your strategy, and you will end up having profit, which is the applause of passionate, purpose-driven, value-guided people doing great work. Okay, I, I want you to repeat that last one again. You said uh, profit is the applause. Profit is the applause of doing great work. Okay, and it's passion and it's passionate, purpose-driven, value guy, values-guided people who produce that great work. Wow! So profit is a result; it's not the goal. No, profit is the applause. Yeah, the you applause. do great work. Love it. It's the applause. The louder the, the, the better the, better the, it's like being on Broadway. The better the show, the better the applause. And in fact, occasionally you'll get a standing ovation. Mm. Mm. Okay. So we're. But I've never seen a poor, a poor performer get, get a standing ovation. No, no. You, we, we've seen some um, pity applause, but never a standing ovation. No. Oh, yeah. So, Gary, yeah. talking about this culture. And you're talking about how when purpose is connected, that, that as you went through the why, the how, and the what, that it produces an energized workforce. Now, you and I have chatted before, and I know Gallup, when they do their research, they re report that employee engagement somewhere in the low to mid 30% across the country. What you've done in your the tribe, not just you, but the tribe, what you all have produced has phenomenal impact on employee engagement. Do you have some data, recent data to share with us? Oh, sure. Um, we've been tracking employee engagement for uh, nearly 20 years. Um, we've used the same uh, third-party consultant to do it. Um, we ask about 40 questions in our uh, employee engagement survey. And of that, there are 18 that focus directly on uh, measuring employee engagement. Uh, so we have 
in our last employee engagement survey, which was in 2016, our next one will be 2018, uh, our employee engagement was 93%. Wow. 93%. And you've been running in the 90s for a number of years, correct? Yeah, we started where everybody else is. Um, back, you know, 20 years ago, we were probably in the 40s. And we've been doing this. Initially, we measured engagement every year. Um, and we, we worked on the areas we needed to turn up the volume. And, and now we've got our goal, our strategic goal. And one of our strategic drivers is linked to getting employee engagement to greater than 95%. So we're about two percentage points off our, our current goal. Um, and then when we get to 95, I'll set a new one. But, you know, h- how would you feel when you went home of a night as a CEO and you put your head on the pillow and you could hear people in your organization say, um, I love to tell people I work for WD-40 company. 98% of our employees globally say they love to tell people they work at the company. What sort of what sort of comfort do you think that gives me? Because what it tells me is people are going to work every day. They're making a contribution to something bigger than themselves. They go home happy of a night. They care about the organization. They're going to make sure that they do everything they can to protect it. I mean, that, that's just absolutely beautiful. And that's what our, our tribe members tell us. They love to tell people they work at the company. Not like, love. Love. That's a strong word. I I can compare that to an organization. I won't share the name, but I had a consultant friend that was working with this organization and they had discovered that their employees weren't going out at lunch and they started asking why. And it's because they were required to wear branded apparel and they didn't want people to know they worked there out of fear (laughs) People would spit in their food or give them bad service because the organization had that kind of reputation. So there's a stark contrast for you, Gary. That's pretty horrible, and I bet you their results weren't that good. Well, I'll just say this. It's probably – this was an organization. I won't mention the state, but it was one of the Department of Motor Vehicles. And, you know, those are (laughs) – that historically have some bad reputations. Fortunately, this one did do a turnaround in their operation, but that was one of the the sites they had discovered early on, and they realized, wow, something's really bad here when our employees are ashamed to go out in public and let people know that they're part of the DMV. Yeah. Well, that's why people love to go out and say they work for WD-40 because they get the answer back as, oh, you know, I've got a story for you. I want to tell you when it helped me and Okay. It just, it's just a great environment. Yeah. That, that, and folks love WD-40. Uh, and I imagine every listener has a can. I, I know I have a can and I whip it out all the time. Just a couple of weeks ago was uh, silencing the squeaks on the doors. So, Gary, yeah. you, well, seat, oh, go ahead. Well, what I was going to say, I, I think that most people in the United States have a can. Yes. Thank goodness. There's still a lot of squeaks in China and that's in a lot of places around the world where for the first time somewhere around the world today, someone got introduced to the blue and yellow cam with a little red top for the first time. So, you know, we're not done yet. Um, you know, we've, we've doubled our business in the last 10 years and we intend to do it again in the next 10. Um, 
And and just one other point, because I'm sure some of your listeners would be saying, well, yeah, that's great. Employee engagement's good, but has it really paid off on the bottom line? In the 18 years we've been measuring employee engagement, we've had a compounded annual growth rate of total shareholder return of near 13%. Our market cap has gone from $250 million to $1.6 billion over that period of time. And what have we done differently along the way is built the culture because WD-40 with the blue and yellow cam with a little red top has been mostly the same all along the way. Now, that's something to stop and think about, folks, that, that the product is virtually unchanged but the company and its value has dramatically increased because of the focus on culture. So, Gary, I'm guessing that a lot of people want to pick your brain, and you have the opportunity to to speak at conferences and panels as people are trying to understand how they can replicate or you know figure out the crack the code of the WD40 company and culture. Uh, what? What intrigues you about some of those conversations or what are the questions that you hear most often? Um, why aren't we doing this in our organization? <laughs> um, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, this is simple, but it's not easy. Yeah. And time is not your friend. And I'm just amazed. You know, I was actually at a, a conference here in San Diego this morning where I, intro- it was about talking about, um, you know, freedom-based uh, organizations. Uh, World Blue um, was Tracy Fenton. I don't know if you know her or not, but um, their, their basis is on, on removing fear and, and having freedom-based organizations. But, you know, I said, I just can't believe that as leaders and board members, we, we're comfortable that 70% of the people who go to work every day really don't like going to work. And whose responsibility is that? It's ours. And why don't we do something about it? And it gets back to leadership is instead of um, empathy eating their ego, their ego is eating their empathy. Um, it's short termism. People want, you know, 90 day results instead of working over time. Uh, it's sad. And, and you know, there's nothing, no evidence that says that people who don't like what they do will do good work. So shouldn't the number one responsibility of leaders be to create an environment? You know, Simon Sinek says, the place where they go to work every day, they make a contribution to something bigger than themselves, they're safe and they go home happy. And that's our job as leaders to do that. And we don't, and, and people ignore it. The proof is there. 70% of people don't like going to work every day. Sad, sad. Yeah, it is sad. Well, you just mentioned Simon Sinek again. You, you might not like me saying this, but I'm going to share. I want to say congratulations on receiving the 2016 Igniter Award. And I want to read something that I found. I guess it was what Simon said when he was presenting the award. And, and you can tell us about that in a moment. That was a bit of a surprise visit, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Imagine a world where the vast majority of us feel inspired to go to work feel safe when we're there, and return home at the end of each day feeling fulfilled. I believe fulfillment must not be a luxury for the lucky few. Fulfillment is our human right. And then he went on to recognize you as a champion for for the things you've just shared, creating this dynamic culture 
for putting people first. So congratulations. And Gary, you're a hero in my book for what you've done and what you continue to do <laughs> at, at WD-40. So tell us the story. How did he surprise you? Well, it's quite interesting. Um, I met Simon a few years ago and we've become, you know, I would, I would say we're, we're good friends. And I, I was at a meeting uh, here in San Diego and uh, one of my tribe members um, was presenting some information and and she referred to Simon Senek and, and said, well, you know, he would be the one that would really be the person to answer this question. And we were talking about, in fact, we're building a new uh, teepee. We call our, our building the, the teepee because of the tribe. And and I looked out of the corner of my eye and this person's walking in and I, I looked, I thought, my God, and the lady's name is Wendy. I thought, Wendy, you have, you've, you've aced this. This is the best Simon Sinek lookalike I've ever seen in my life. And next thing he goes up to the, to the, um, the podium and he starts talking. I went, Wow, I've got to call Simon and tell him that we have got absolutely his twin brother here. And then I'm going, no, this is Simon. And he went on with, you know, um, you know, presenting me with this wonderful recognition. And I went up to him and I said, why didn't you tell me you're coming? He said, well, then it wouldn't have been a surprise. And he flew into San Diego, especially. He was on his way somewhere. He flew in, got off the, his plane. I, I guess he came on a private plane, raced down to where we were. He brought, uh, Margie Blanchard with him. Ken couldn't make it, and and, and Debbie Blanchard, and and um, uh, uh, who else was there? Um, there was someone else. Oh, I, um, Scott's wife, uh, um, and 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 came and made this presentation. So, oh wow! So uh, it was such a such a surprise. So, Gary, who's a hero for you on the pathway to purpose? I just mentioned you're a hero to me. Who, who's someone you admire, and how have they influenced? You? Well, there's, there's there's been a few along the way. You know, when I was growing up in Australia, there were three. I write about them in my book. Three people that you know were were, were gracious enough and kind enough to give me their time and help me learn. Uh, Warren Knox, who ran a local hardware store, Jack Eckley, who ran the local dry cleaning store, and Jack Lambert, who owned the sports store. Sports of sporting goods store who I, I got to work for and they taught me a lot of different lessons along the way. And then in, in later life, you know, certainly um, Ken Blanchard has had an, an enormous um, impact on my thinking. I met Ken over 20 years ago. We're very dear and close friends. And, um, and then Marshall Goldsmith and, uh, and in later times, Simon Sinek. Um, well, I've, I've really cherry-picked parts of what I, I really respect about each one of them and put them into action uh, in what we do. And it's paid wonderful dividends to the people in the organization. Okay. You mentioned Ken Blanchard, with whom you co-authored your book. How did that come about? Mm -hmm. uh, I met Ken when I went, when I was at USD doing my master's degree in leadership. And uh, um, he was teaching uh, the leadership point of view class. And um, in his class, he was telling a story about how when he was a, a college professor, he would um, give out the final paper at the beginning of the year and um, then help everybody uh, learn the answers. So at the end of the year, there was no surprises. And he would get into trouble from the academic staff saying, Blanchard, you can't do that. And I went, oh, gee, that's so simple. Oh, duh. 
why don't we do that in business instead of this crazy way that we review people now, which is, you know, you wait to the end of the year at the last minute, you write something up and you deliver it to them. Why don't we start with getting really clear on what our expectations are of each other? And then what, along the way, why don't we help our people actually get an A instead of trying to mark their paper? And Ken and I started this conversation about it and I picked it up and I came back and I I put together a, a basic program at WD-40 and started to execute around it. And then I told Ken what a great response we were getting to it. And he said, you know, we got we got to share this with the world, Gary. Mm. And so we put the book together and, uh, and, and that's, that's, that was the start of a, just a wonderful and, and, and really deep and, and very special friendship that Ken and I have. Well, Gary, I have to tell you that one concept that I love, and it's kind of the, the, one of the themes of the book, it's the subtitle of the book, but I've shared that with so many company leaders because most organizations, yeah, the whole evaluation process is demoralizing and demotivating. So I love that. Totally. My paper helped me get an A. Another hero you just mentioned, Marshall Goldsmith. I saw that you recently completed his stakeholder stakeholder centered coaching program. What prompted you to do that? Well, um, one of the, I now teach a class at USD on succession planning and bench building. And one of the texts that I use is one that, um, uh, of his, which is don't, um, what got you here won't get you there. Mm -hmm. And Marshall lives in San Diego and I number of years ago, I think maybe 10 years ago, I, I said, well, I'm going to call him up and see if he'll come to my class and um, share uh, with the students uh, his learning from that book. And he, I called him up and he answered the phone and I said, hey, Marshall, this is who I am and this is what I'm doing. Would you, would you even consider coming and talking to my class? And he said, yes. And He's done that, I think, eight out of the last 10 years. So we got to become friends. And um, he put together this program, which is more than the Stakeholder Center Leadership Program. Uh, he, about a year ago, said he was going, he was asked the question, who in your life has made a difference and how? And, and he, he said, well, it's what I've learned from others. So he committed. He said he was going to pick 15 people. And he was going to teach them everything he knew and everything he'd learned in all his life for free, as long as they committed to paying it forward and doing the same. So he went on on LinkedIn and you know social media, and he put out this thing. Well, he got twelve thousand applicants. Now Harvard only get about four thousand applicants to go to Harvard Business School. He got twelve thousand people applying for this program, which is now expanded to 100 people. It's called the MG100. And I ran into Marshall uh, in San Diego, and he said, why haven't you applied? And I said, well, you know, I think there's, I know a lot about, and I've learned a lot from you, and I'm very thankful for it. I don't want to take up a seat that someone else should have, because I think I'm, 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 I'm blessed by having known you. And he said, no, 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 you, you better apply. Okay, so I applied and I got I got picked in the first cohort of twenty five. Uh, the second cohort just got announced. They had their first session uh, about a month ago. So I've now got twenty five people that I've got to know very well. Uh, some just great people. Um, you know, people that have that I, Alan Mullally, 
uh, Francis Hesselbein, you know, people that we're learning wonderful things from. A great guy by the name of uh, Michael Bungay-Stainer wrote a great book called The Coaching Habit. He's in the cohort. Uh, Whitney Johnson, who wrote Disrupt Yourself. Um, there's, there's just, it's just wonderful. And uh, so I, as part of that, um, you, you get to be certified, you go through the, the training program of his stakeholder center leadership coaching. And we went to New York for three days and we all got trained on that. And uh, um, it's just been, I, I can't believe how lucky I am. Hmm. So Gary, we're talking about purpose and how it has really made a major difference at the WD-40 company and in your life. However, I, I kind of have the sense that that it's not all rainbow and unicorns, that there's some difficult times. So how does having a clear sense of purpose help you navigate north in the midst of, of difficult times or, or crises? Well, it's very centering, Kevin. It's clarity. Um, it really makes you, it helps you make decisions because it has you really go back and focus on what you've decided that really matters. Um, so I think, you know, it, it certainly does give you that that foundation to be able to make um, good, better decisions in good and bad times. You know, we live in a, a volatile, uncertain, complex world full of ambiguity. How much fun is that if we can navigate through it? Yeah. So, you know, you it, and, and it helps you have a really, a really comfort around understanding um, how you really think about your self-worth or your, you know, are you comfortable in your own shoes? And I think one of the, the, the key attributes of good leadership is, you know, are you comfortable? You know, do you have a, a strong feeling of, of self-worth? Um, and I think having a clear purpose um, certainly helps you get that. Well, Gary, for the listener, who whatever size business it is they have, and, and they're really pondering, how do they make a place for purpose in their life? And I, I have to tell you something. I love how much of your personal purpose that you shared earlier is reflected in and through the company. So what, what's your most or your best piece of actionable actionable advice to someone that, that's sitting there saying, well, how do I get started doing this in my business or in my company? Well, um, I think it's, it's about really understanding um, what is important to you as a person um, and looking at how you got there. You know, Simon Sinek in his book, Start With Why, or I, I think the better book is actually Leaders Eat Last. Um, really talks about how you can dive in and, and really focus in on what it is that is important to you. So I think you've got to get at peace with yourself first. And then once you've done that, you can move on to the next side of saying, well, how do we, how do we then think about that for our company? And I think that's really important. And what does our company want to be? And how do we want that to, to reflect in what we do? Well, and Gary, so today, as busy as you are, I mean, earlier you told me you you uh, you logged two hundred and twenty thousand miles, <laughs> year, and you'll probably be close to that again. How do you stay centered? Are are there some practices you do daily, weekly, or, or what what what's the routine that helps you? 
um, I really get up every day and I say, today is going to be my best day. I am going to live my purpose today. Um, I'm going to respect people. I'm going to care about them. I'm going to be candid with them. Um, I really do take the responsibility of leadership very seriously. Um, and I don't take myself too seriously. I, I, I love showing my vulnerability because um, I am uh, vulnerable. So, uh, but I think it really gets down to is I just really enjoy what I do. Um, and I, I get so much joy and out of seeing people just step into their best version of their personal self and, 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 and make the world a better place. Cause we can, you know, life's a gift. Don't send it back unwrapped. Oh, wow. Wow. Life's a gift. Don't send it back unwrapped. Gary, thank you so much. This, this is just a delightful conversation. And I'm, I know that there are many nuggets in here that people are going to save or unpack and, and chew on for some period of time. If people want to find out more about Gary or, or follow you somewhere, where's the best place to point them? Um, well, that, at Twitter, I'm at Learning Moment. Um, I, I do share on Twitter. Um, I have a website that is being um, refreshed as we speak. It's www.thelearningmoment.net. Um, so those are probably the two places. Well, we'll be, we'll be sure to include that in the show notes as well as a link to the book, Helping People Win at Work. We've been talking with Gary Ridge. Gary, thank you for sharing your journey to purpose with us today. And thank you for sharing, a, sharing what's important with many people. Um, we've, got, we've got work to do. Indeed, we do. And I'm tickled to have an ally like you on this journey, Gary. Thank you so much. I always enjoy talking with Gary. I love the practicality of his approach. Here are a few takeaways that stood out to me from today's conversation. Purpose provides a meaningful direction to the destination you want to go. As I say, purpose is what puts the full in meaningful. Live a life full of meaning. That's what you desire. It's what I desire. A second one, don't compromise meaning for money. That's always a bad deal in any situation. And I love how Gary has infused his personal mission into the company mission, creating positive, lasting memories. Wouldn't it be great if every workplace operated with that mantra, creating positive, lasting memories? And then another insight that I loved is the correlation between empathy and ego. One eats away at the other. Let empathy win out in your life. Hey, I want to thank you for joining us for this episode. We've got a couple of exciting things to share with you before you go, so stay tuned for those. And remember, you were meant for more. Why settle for less? If you feel like you don't have purpose at work or you want to clarify your purpose at work, we have a free five-day email course you can take with daily challenges and action steps to help bring the meaning you are meant to have in your everyday life. Go to kevinmonroe.com slash work purpose.